Welcome to the Og Blog Podcast, here to bring you, well, not the latest news, I usually leave the news to the blog, but all you need to know about peanuts and peanuts-related books. And really, what one needs to know is so little, so I try to layer it on with what you'd like to know as well. I'm recording this episode a few days before Christmas, it'll go online on Boxing Day, and I hope you all are celebrating appropriately with boxing gloves on your nose and, well, okay. I don't really understand Boxing Day. It's not really an American thing. Wikipedia tells me that it's big in countries that are formerly part of the British Empire, which the U.S. is, of course, but I guess we cast that Britishism aside along with the tossing of the tea into Boston Harbor. But anyway, it is the holiday season, which is supposed to be for joy and relaxation, but while I find joy around this time, it's far from a relaxing time for me. I've got too much preparing for family events and too much of the end-of-the-year publisher business to take care of. Cookies to bake, presents to arrange, cards to send out. Well, e-cards. That buys me some time toward the last minute. Uh, So I'm going to make this episode easy on myself. I've read you tales before about Snoopy dogs before the advent of Peanuts. This is another Peanuts-related reading from 1881. This comes from The Echo, which calls itself an eclectic monthly journal devoted to religion and useful miscellaneous information. It was published for the home of the Sacred Heart. And for those of you not cued in on religious terms, Sacred Heart means that this is a Catholic publication. The home of the Sacred Heart was an orphanage that Father Martin McDonnell was in the process of establishing at this time when he was working on this publication. Anyway, in August of 1881, they started serializing the story Rose of Kilcullen, about lovely young Rose O'Neill and her blacksmith father, Martin, who at the start of the story, we are told, spends most of his wages at the public house, or tavern, despite the entreaties of his wife and his daughter, whom he loved. The excerpt that I'm reading is from the second installment of the story, published in September 1881. By this point, her father, Martin, has reformed and was spending most of his time with his family. Spring arrived, and as Martin O'Neill was one evening returning from work, he saw his wife and daughter putting up some flower beds in the garden back of the house. This is an excellent opportunity, thought he to himself, to speak to Rose about Charlie. So he went toward them, and after the usual paternal and filial salutations were exchanged, the father pleasantly said, Rose, it seems you have a lover. A what, father? she inquired, quite astonished. A sweetheart child, a rich young farmer. I heard of it several months ago. And I hear of it now for the first time, father. Ah, you did not know it. No, indeed, I did not, father. And who may he be? Ah, Rose, I did not think that you were so sly. Who made the opening in the hedge? Who planted the lilies on grandmother's grave? Why, Charlie Brown did, replied the girl with a faint blush mantling over her pale face. So this is the first time you heard of Charlie's intention, is it, Rose? said her father, laughing. Tears stood in the girl's eyes, and she turned to her mother and said, Mother dear, believe me, I never thought of Charlie Brown as father says he thinks of me. My child, answered her mother, we know you have not. Do not be frightened, dear. Your father is only joking. Rose wiped her eyes, and going towards her father, She said very seriously, Father, please tell me what you have heard about Charlie Brown and me. Well, said her father, Mr. Brown asked me if I would consent to the marriage of his son Charlie and yourself. And may I ask what answer you gave him, father? I told him that I would speak to you and give him your reply. 
Then, Father, you will please thank Mr. Brown for me, and tell him I do not intend to marry. That you do not intend to marry? Slowly repeated her father, as though his ears had deceived him. Yes, please tell him that. I will do no such thing, Rose. You had best make up your mind to marry Charlie. You can have four months longer to make up your preparations. Father, I have decided not to marry. But, Rose, Charlie Brown is a pious and good young man. I know he is, Father, said Rose, and I esteem him highly. Then show your esteem for him by marrying him. I cannot be his wife, Father, and I am very sorry if I displease you by saying so, but I cannot help it. But why, Rose? Tell us why, interposed her mother, who could not understand so decided a refusal. Rose did not reply immediately, and at a sign from his wife, the father went away, leaving mother and daughter alone. You have vexed your father, Rose, said her mother. I can see it in his countenance. If you do not like the young man, my child, we will not say another word about it. Only tell us why you refuse him. Surely you can confide in your mother, Rose. Yes, yes, mother. I am not capable of concealing any part of my mind from you. Well, then, what objection have you to Charlie Brown? We certainly thought that of all young men he was your choice. Why do you refuse to marry him? Because I wish it has long been my wish to be a sister. A nun? cried her mother excitedly. Yes, dear mother. I wish after three months to enter as a postulant in the convent of the Sisters of St. Francis at Dublin. Yet, even back in 1881, Charlie Brown was a victim of unrequited love. The story goes on. She does join the convent and dies there, lingering effects from a blow that she had sustained as a child. All very tragic, really. I will finish off with the final paragraph from the third and final installment of the tale. Nine years from the date of Rose's funeral, a young priest appeared at the altar, celebrating his second mass in the parish church of Kilcullen. This young priest was Charles Brown. The next day he bade goodbye to country, home, and friends, and went abroad to the Indian mission. And I guess that's how he ended up with Father Brown, although possibly not the same one that G.K. Chesterton wrote mystery stories about, but maybe. Poor Chuck, he is never to be married. There is none for him. And speaking of nuns, you should check out at Daily Nun 1, that's at sign Daily Nun and the number 1, on Twitter or Instagram, for a different cartoon about Catholic sisters every day. There's another great service supplied by About Comics, where we publish things that ought to be published. And I'll just wrap it up there for today. Until next time, may you fall for whomever trims your hedges. May all your love be requited. And may all your griefs be good ones. <laughs>